The Old Testament reading for our celebration of the transfiguration of our Lord comes from the second book of Kings, the second chapter. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know? that today the Lord will take away your master from over you. And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went, and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, It shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The epistle reading comes from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, the third and fourth chapters. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. 
but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you ever just a little bit jealous of the disciples? Have you ever thought to yourself, man, it would have been great to be Peter or James or John. As you hear about the things they did, the places they went, the teachings they learned from the very mouth of Jesus. He walked with them, and he talked with them, and he told them they were his own. Jesus showed them amazing things. Reveal things to them that are just mind-boggling. And when we read about these things, our sinful human nature starts to say, why couldn't that have been us? Take the transfiguration, for instance. What a beautiful display of Christ's glory revealed in his earthly body. The glory of God shone in Jesus in an indescribable way. It's something that just really can't be put into words, as we see from the three accounts in the Bible. Luke says that the appearance of Jesus' face was altered, and his clothes became dazzling white. Mark says Jesus' clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. Matthew says his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. What an amazing experience these three disciples were permitted to take part in. Wouldn't it have been great to be there ourselves? Don't you wish, even just a little bit, that you could have stood next to Peter and proclaimed right with him, it is good that we are here. Wouldn't it have been great to be there upon the mountaintop at Jesus' transfiguration? Because the transfiguration was a fantastic, phenomenal kind of event that only Peter, James, and John were allowed to witness. 
They got to see Jesus Christ in his heavenly glory. Probably not even his full glory, because no sinner could withstand that. But even just a glimpse of Jesus' true perfection and glory is mind-boggling. It's something that terrified them as they saw it. All the while that they had known Jesus, they knew that he was the Messiah. But now they can see it with their own eyes, no longer veiled and hidden, no longer wondering, are we really following the right guy? Here's the glory in their eyes, and they can see it themselves. And then they got to hear the great prophets of old speak. They heard it with their own ears. Moses and Elijah. These are the heroes of the faith, the pillars of the Old Testament, the embodiment of God's law, his prophecy, everything that happened of old that God had spoken to his people. And they are now standing right in front of the disciples, speaking plainly. They can hear the words of the prophets. And after all of that, what do they hear? They hear the very voice of God the Father himself speak from heaven, speaking directly to them. It was terrifying to be sure, and they fell on their faces in fear. But imagine what an honor that would have been to hear God's voice speaking, to hear the very word of God from God himself speaking personally to them. Wouldn't it be great if we could have been there? Wouldn't it be great if we could have partaken in that amazing event? Let's face it, we envy the disciples of the privileges that they had. That's our human nature. So often we ask ourselves, why couldn't it have been me? Why couldn't I be given that vision of glory? Why can't I see the amazing things that they did? Because that would just make my life so much better. But have you ever noticed that we really only do that when we read about the glorious and victorious parts? Sure, it would have been great to be there on the Mount of Transfiguration or to take part in the healings and the miracles. But think about the rest of the time. Do we really envy the beatings and imprisonments that the disciples received? Do we really wish that we could go through the same emotional torment that the disciples did while Jesus was being crucified? Do we really want to be persecuted and martyred like most of the apostles were? The fact is, we've got it good as Christians today. I'm just speculating here, but I'd imagine that given their druthers, the disciples would probably swap places with us in a heartbeat. Think about it. We've got the complete picture. We can look back and see how it all fits together. How the cross was not a defeat, but was actually the ultimate victory. We don't have to sit around the table wondering, is Jesus really the Messiah? Are we doing the right thing? Are we following the right guy? We've got the proof. We have seen him rise from the grave. We don't need to doubt and wonder because we know exactly what happened. We can see the full picture. Even with the transfiguration, even seeing that glory with their own eyes, I would imagine Peter, James, and John went down the mountain asking themselves, so what exactly just happened? What did we just see? What in the world does this mean? But we today, 
We know that this glimpse of glory was given to them to prepare them for the horrors of Jesus' betrayal and trial and execution. To build them up in the knowledge that he is Almighty God in the flesh and what they were about to see and experience, as terrible and awful and earth-shattering as it was, it was all still part of his plan. So while we might be envious of the disciples at times, The fact is, there is nothing to envy. Because while we may not have been standing on that Mount of Transfiguration, while our eyes may not have seen the radiance of Jesus Christ, Moses and Elijah in the flesh, sitting here in church today, though, we can say, just as Peter did, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. It is good that we are in the church, God's holy house, all throughout our lives. Because here, as at the Transfiguration, we hear the prophets speak. Maybe not in the way that the three disciples did on that mountain, but every time we gather together, we hear the words of the prophets. We hear Moses and Elijah and David and Elisha and all of the other prophets speak, showing us who Jesus was, what he was going to do. We hear Moses and Elijah just as clearly as the disciples did. In fact, we can hear it even more clearly. We have seen their words fulfilled. We have the full story. We don't have to wonder who it is that Elisha might have been talking about. It is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And we can gather together time and time again to hear those words, not just once. We don't have to wait and hope that we just happen to be at the right place at the right time when the prophets speak. We know the word of the Lord will come to us every time we come here to this holy house. And here, as at the transfiguration, we hear the very word of God himself. Maybe not in a booming voice from heaven, but we hear God's word every time we open the Bible. We hear God speak forgiveness Through the absolution, we receive a privilege that is even greater than the disciples did that day. Where they fell on their faces in fear, we hear God's voice without terror. Where they were told not to tell anyone about what they had seen for a time, we can share this great news with everyone all the time, for the Son of Man has indeed risen from the dead. And here... In church, as at the transfiguration, we see the glory of Jesus Christ. Maybe not in the same way as they did at the transfiguration. In fact, definitely not. We see the fulfilled glory of Christ, where they saw just a preview. We see him upon the cross, gloriously giving his life in sacrifice to spare us from sin, death, and the devil. Now the world says, that's not glory, that's the opposite of glory. But we know what that means for us. We know that that means God gave everything so that we sinners could be set free from the pains of hell. We know that by that sacrifice and that sacrifice alone, we are given not just hope, but the guarantee of everlasting life in heaven. We see Jesus Christ resurrected 
opening the gates of heaven to all of us sinners who look to him in faith. That's the glory of God revealed in full. We see Jesus Christ's full glory. And not just for a brief moment, but every single day of our life. Today, here, we saw God's almighty hand use simple water to make Jeremy his own in the waters of baptism, just as he has done for us. When we receive the Lord's Supper, we're not given just a show, not just a reminder of what he did long ago and far away, but by his grace and might, we are given the true body and blood of Jesus Christ to eat and to drink, uniting us sinners with his perfect atoning sacrifice. As we walk through this world of sin and pain and darkness and trial, Jesus is there with us. He leads us throughout every day of our lives. Amid all the fear and the frustration and uncertainty and terror in the world, in the church, we are given the peace that comes from God alone. Peace in knowing that God himself is with us always. Peace in knowing that no matter how bad things get and no matter how bad we might get, by grace through faith, heaven awaits us. Peace in knowing that Jesus Christ has died and risen again for us to take away all of our guilt and to reconcile us perfectly. Every day of our Christian lives is a blessing from God. And every day is filled with His grace and His glory. We might think that the disciples had it better than we do. That they somehow got more blessings than we did because they got to see Jesus transfigured on the mountain. The fact is, God's glory fills our lives constantly. God has forgiven us of our sin, and there is no greater blessing than that. God has promised us everlasting life, so we know that we will, with our own eyes, see the full glory of Jesus Christ in heaven. And through his word, through his holy church, God richly and daily pours out into our hearts and our lives his blessings of faith, and love, and mercy, and joy, and forgiveness. What a joy it is for us to come here into God's presence, hearing the voice of God, the words of his prophets, and seeing his glory. And what a blessing to know that it is not just here in these walls, and not just once in a while. By the grace of God, we see that glory of Jesus Christ every minute of our Christian lives. It is with grateful hearts, then, that we, like Peter, continually proclaim, proclaim, no matter where we might be, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. For here, no matter where here may be, we receive the good news of Jesus Christ, that by his cross alone, by his resurrection alone, you are forgiven of all of your sin, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.